You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Today's guest has played for Aston Villa, Birmingham and West Brom in the Premier League. He's won the League Cup with Birmingham in 2011 against the dreaded Gooners. He's captained the Portland Timbers in 2015 to the MLS Cup. He thinks he's great at golf. He's the world's first Cockney Brummie. Ladies and gentlemen, the landlord and the staff of the Down the Pole podcast are pleased to present Liam Ridgewell. So uh, welcome to this episode of the Down the Pool podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Anthony Abbott. We are honored to be joined by a Premier League and MLS legend, Liam Ridgewell. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure, man. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor. So, um, so you announced your retirement from the game in February. Um, mm. Then the world went into lockdown. Was that a coincidence? <laughs> yeah, do, do you know what? To be fair, I think they stopped me from going down the pub. They just realised I might have been down there quite too much, and thought, you know what? We better lock it down to stop him going now. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit mad. It was a. Uh, it was a good timing. Good timing, that's for sure. So uh, it was. It weren't too, too too dissimilar to my retirement of doing not doing too much. So we've enjoyed. We've enjoyed the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so obviously, like you know, you hear players saying that their bodies tell them when it's time to retire and all that kind of stuff. Is is, mm. is that what happened to you? Like you kind of came to that decision that your body was kind of like my body told me at twenty one that was time to retire from football. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? No, no, it wasn't my body. I I still feel as fit as a fiddle and felt I could probably play for another five years, another five good years, to be honest. Um, but circumstances didn't really work out um not not the love for the game but just just things were going on that didn't really sit well with me and and within that um I was taking my coaching badges I was I'm looking to be a manager and I was I was enjoying that with what was going on on the playing side or footballing side the enjoyment for the management started to take over and um I just thought you know what um I've had a long long career um it's not been easy at times but you know what I, I, I can't keep going this way and just thought you know what it's time to retire and enjoy my retirement and, and go to the next uh, the next challenge really so so what's the plans then on the, the coaching side yeah I want to be a manager um literally I've, I've, I've always wanted to be a manager I've, I've started taking my level two I'm on my B at the minute given that zoom calls and a lot of chatting to people on the phone we obviously can't get out um, but yeah, that's that's the aim to be a manager, and um, obviously once we get out of this lockdown, to go and speak and watch and and, and learn from as many people as I can, and um, I'm enjoying it. So looking forward to be perfectly honest. So have you had any kind of approaches from people to help out or anything, like that or 
Bits and bobs. Obviously, I, I've just reached out to my old clubs. To be honest, um, you know, I've been out to one of my one of my good pals. He, he runs sort of a, a youngish team. I went and did a little bit of coaching there, but realised quickly that's probably an age that I don't really want to get into. The <laughs> running here, there, and everywhere, and not really listening, and and things like that. So I thought, Joe, you know right? I know that's not my age. I need to work with uh, older older fellas and um, or girls, and uh, and and that's the way I was going, but. Enjoyed it, but you know it's it's starting again, starting anew, and 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 learning from from a start again, really. So, do you think you'll be a kind of uh, like an Alex Ferguson kind of hairdryer kind of guy, or do you think you'd be kind of like a more of a sit back and philosophical kind of pep kind of yeah. guy? No, I don't. I don't. I won't be a sit back person. Um, I'll be I'll be a hairdryer person at times. I think <laughs> the right times, hopefully. Um, uh, it takes a lot to wind me up and, and get me going, but. Once I need to blow a top, I will do so. I'll, I wouldn't say I'll be a bit in between. I'll be a bit further to the hairdryer, but one that one down that road. So we might get to see a, a Liam Ridgewell documentary on Netflix, huh? <laughs> oh, I'd love that. That'd be unbelievable. You know you've cracked it once you've done that. That's for sure. <laughs> So uh, just um, taking it kind of all the way back, just to, um, obviously you, you don't sound like you're from Birmingham, you're from London. So how did you end yeah, up yeah. like playing at the Villa? Yeah, I mean, obviously I spent um, five, I joined West Ham when I was eight, um, spent uh, I mean, what, like five years, yeah, up until 14, so six years at West Ham, came to sort of schoolboy forms um, and looked further afield of what they were bringing through and saw it as a tough path to be honest you know likes of Joe Cole Richard Garcia Rio Ferdinand Michael Carrick Frank Lampard Jeez. you know that, that's, just, that's the name some and I thought you know what it looks like a bit of a tough route um, but obviously I'd been spoken to by Aston Villa which they were their academy was was similar to West Ham's they brought through a lot of players and um, I looked at them thought they were you know a very good team and, just, and the other side of it you know I, I moved away from home you know, I used to hang, hang around in the streets like a lot of people and, uh, you know, put football under my arm, wanting to play football with the kids. And um, I saw it as an opportunity to grow up very quickly and, and move away and, and learn my trade. And obviously grateful that I, I did that and then spent, you know, what, 14 years in the Midlands and and uh, and, and, and stayed up there for, for, that, for that period of time. But didn't lose my accent, so uh, it weren't too bad. Yeah, you definitely don't sound like you're on Peaky Blinders, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> a lot of people go, you're not from Birmingham. I'm like, I never said I fucking was. So I've always said I'm from London. <laughs> That's you, you thought that. <laughs> <laughs> is, that what, is that the moustache? You're going for the whole Peaky Blinders uh, look? <laughs> no, do you know what? I was on my very first Zoom call with uh, with my friends at the very start of COVID. And one of the boys on there was like, I'm going to grow my tash so I can twizzle it. I've always wanted to have a moustache that I could twizzle. And I thought, you know what? I ain't going nowhere. I'm not going out. I'm not going to a bar or anything. So I'll give it a go. And it's stuck so far. So we'll see how long it lasts with a wife. I'm sure she'll shave it off soon enough. You're going to have to get like one of those little hairnet things for it. That's right. Yeah, just cover it up. <laughs> so um, like I know you said uh, that when you were at Villa, you didn't quite get along with uh, Mark O'Neill. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, like, uh, obviously he was the Ireland manager and he got us to the Euro, so I don't want to say anything too bad about him, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, look, what, what was it about the relationship that just didn't click for you? 
Do you know what? I, I was at that period of time, I played a lot of games and I wasn't willing to sit back and watch, to be perfectly honest. Um, so, you know, that was my downfall, but obviously a good thing in me for striving to not wanting to be sitting there and watching. You know, I played a lot of games. Um, we'd not seen eye to eye on a few things. Um, you know, I felt you told me a few porkies um, and it didn't sit well with me. Um, obviously, I got on with it because that's what you do. But, you know, it just came to a head, really. And he told me that I was going to be part of his plans and, and be part of the squad and, and things like that towards the end of the season before I moved to Birmingham. And I wasn't. And I took that as, you know, a blatant sort of lie um, or, what you know, whatever managers call it. And uh, it didn't sit well. And I thought, you know what, I can't wait around any longer. I want to play Premier League football. I thought I've, I've learned and I want to keep on learning. And the opportunity come up to go to Birmingham and um, I, I jumped at the chance really you know the divide and the rivalry didn't really make a difference to me you know I was a South London boy and I just wanted to play football so you know that that was the main thing for, for me really So like at that time um, like uh, with Martin like was there did other clubs come in for you before then and then he said you're part of my plans and I want you to leave uh, Yeah yeah, I spoke to him in in, in the January. Um, I spoke in the summer a little bit before. Then we spoke again in the January because one, if I didn't play on the Saturday on the Monday morning, I'd knock on his door. You know, a lot, a lot of kids don't do that nowadays. It, it, he must stop. be fucking dreadful. He must be like, oh, I have to leave this yeah. kid bridge right again. The little fucker's going to knock on the that's, door again. On that's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy at all. And I'd knock on the door and go, why am I not playing? You know, even though we had, you know, Martin Arson. You know, we've been at the World Cup the summer before, Olaf Melberg. Even if we'd won, I'd still knock on the door. I'd still want to know why, you know, and I'd want to be telling him I want to play next week and in the next game and I'm ready to go. So, you know, I could understand that and there was injuries and I came in and out. But um, we got to January and uh, Birmingham had come in for me and uh, I was like, look, do you know what? You've got, I think Gary Kay was coming through at the time. I said, look, you've got Gary there you've got a couple other people that can sit in my sit in my spot if, if needed to and uh, he said no I want you to be here I want you to be part of my plans I want you're going to play uh, we played Newcastle that evening I said okay no problem and I went in the squad and played Newcastle that night and I was like okay uh, and then sort of the rest of the season went on like that really and uh, like I say you know Managers have a job to do, fair enough. And, and Martin did his, his job and, you know, they went on to bigger and better things. Obviously, they, they had a lot of good, see, you know, a few good seasons after that before he left. Um, so, I, I probably wasn't really at the top of his list of, of what was going on. So, I was at the top of my list and I wanted to play a lot more and, um, and that was that. I, my mind was owned up. So, did you feel like that uh, when he said that Birmingham came in for that, he probably thought like, he's never going to agree to this. <laughs> I'll just make, no. you know, I'm just going to say it to him and so you'll just say, no, no, I'll stay about like, <laughs> of course, you know, I'd come through Villa and, you know, I had no intention to leave. I just wanted to play football. I just wanted to play. So when, when they come in, I thought, I hope, you know, I was thinking what, well, hopefully, you know, he might think a little bit that team wants me and I, you know, I just want to be part of it. Give me a game here and there, not completely be shoved aside and that's what happened and, I thought, you know what, it's time to go. It's, it's, it's run its course. You know, you're going in a different direction and, and I do as well. So let's, let's cut to the chase. I'll, I'll leave and, and we can move on. And, and, and thankfully, that's what happened. 
So what was the, the first game for you, like back at, at Villa Park? Yeah, obviously we played at home the first game, which obviously I scored an own goal in, which was obviously <laughs> you know, wanting me to, sw- the, the world to swallow me up and, and, and disappear. Um, but, you know, true to me, I, I, I'm not like that. You know, I could stand there and, and take all the abuse and all the heckles and, you know, I, I went up the other end and, and Gabby cleared, cleared one of my headers off the line, which would have drew drew the game and then he beat me to a head at the other end to, to win the game and uh, that's football you know that's what you get on with and you know that's that's what you you live and die by and that's what you know you uh, you, you got broad shoulders for so uh, it was very interesting <laughs> I feel like that's just like God fucking with you man it's like you know what I mean it's like he <laughs> it, it was smiling on Martin O'Neill's Martin O'Neill's corner right there so uh, you know that's that's what happens and uh, you know that that's it just it just made me even want it even more but that's just one of them things that's football for you it's like the, the look of the Irish there right uh, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I hate to bring this up but like unfortunately in uh, 2009 you broke your leg like uh, and like how do you cope in out of the game for like five months like what like obviously you're a young lad and you want to I said be out there playing like yeah. what how do you cope with that it was really difficult. Uh, we'd been relegated, obviously, that back end of that, the, obviously, the last season, and everyone stayed. We all stayed to, because we wanted to get the club back up, um, me included. I was captain at the time, and um, I took it hard because we were running, re- like, going really strong, looking, to, you know, obviously getting promoted, and I wanted to help the club to do that. And uh, it was tough, you know, and, and I woke up from the surgery, and as I just asked the doctor, how long am I out for? How long am I out for? And he was like, don't worry about that. Let's just let's just let's just get you out of the hospital. I'm like, no, I want to know. And he said, Focus. All going well. All going well. You'll be you'll be good to go in five months. And that was it. My mind was focused. You know, I, I didn't. I had a pity party for ten minutes. You know, waking up thinking, fucking, oh, I broke my leg and I can't do this and I can't do that. The one saving, one massive saving grace. Um, I went to the hospital in Birmingham where they were bringing the Afghan uh, Afghanistan war heroes to to get um, get their surgery. I actually had the surgeon that obviously did all the surgeries on all the war heroes. And I woke up next to a fellow across from a fellow who's lost his leg. Jeez. Now I'm having, my, I'm having my pity party for 10 minutes over breaking my leg. And he's lying there laughing, joking. I mean, that's why they're heroes, but laughing, joking. And it soon snapped me around. I soon thought, fucking hell, you know what? If he can do it, I can easily do it. And uh, you know, then then you know, there's a blind man in there, and I think he was a Man City fan, if I recall. And one of his pals had replaced the City shirt with a Man United shirt. <laughs> Walk, walking around all day with his, with his United shirt on, everyone laughing, and uh, it was incredible. And and that's what made you know me think, Joe, you know what this is, you know, you're forget oh about. God. You know, you, you've got everything to look forward to. So uh, it was amazing. Really was amazing. To meet them fellows was was incredible, and uh, it helped me along uh, a lot. So that that was a great, a really good thing. Oh my god, that was fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was uh, unbelievable. You know, they were someone had one leg, and they were hiding their like trainers and their legs and, and things like that. And it was it was comical. You know, it was incredible, and that just what I needed. You know. oh, oh man, like obviously, like you were there, like on what was me, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't yeah. go and play in front of 40,000 fans course. every weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, I, quit, I quickly snapped out of it, that's for sure. <laughs> so, obviously, like your your time at Birmingham included the uh, 
the, the League Cup final win in 2011 mm. against Arsenal. As a, as a Tottenham fan, thank you. I appreciate it. Mm. <laughs> but, but you guys like were really unfancy going into the game against a team that had like Wiltshire, Nasri, Van Persie and stuff mm. like that. Like, so what was yeah. the game plan? Yeah, do you know what the game plan, uh, Alex Matisse told us, we were man-marking our player, we stayed with them everywhere they went. If they went on the right-hand side, you followed all the way over there. If they had the ball, you went all the way over. If they ain't got the ball, obviously you ain't going all over there. But if they've got the ball, you're sticking with that player. You know, you kick him, you get in the ball, you do whatever you need to do uh, to make sure they feel uncomfortable. And it worked. It, it worked an absolute treat. And you know what? The more the game went on, we built in confidence. We had a lot of confidence going into the game. Because, no, like you say, no one gave us a fucking dream. <laughs> Nothing. So it, it fueled us even more. We were, we were boys that run around and worked hard. And, and that was our chance to, you know, for a lot of us to win a piece of silverware. Um, and you know what? We just grafted our nuts off and, and, and just worked and worked and worked. And, and we got that bit of luck at the end of the game. It was amazing. And, uh, you know, and it's something you remember for the rest of your life. So who were you supposed to uh, man mark that day? Van Persie? Sammy Nazri, <laughs> Sammy Nazri, which was fantastic. Absolutely Holy fantastic. God, man. Like, yeah, yeah. What, what do you say, though, when the boss says, you're like, uh, by the way, <laughs> you, yeah. you have to chase around <laughs> after Nazri all day. <laughs> you must be like, oh, well, I, fuck. Yeah, well, I know. I thought, I thought, you know what, if I can get one kick on him early doors, he may disappear. And you know what, I, I, I got him a few times, which we all did, and it put him off their game. It was strange for them. They wanted to pass the ball around. We were just in their faces. And uh, by the end of the game, he, you know, he'd gone over to the other side and, and we, we, we won. So it, it worked a treat. And it was, you know what? It was something that we all embraced. If, we, if we'd have all stood back and gone, fucking hell, look at these players. We went at one, but we didn't. We embraced it and thought, you know what? If this is our one chance to win something, we're going to And, you know, obviously you need a lot of luck, which, which we got as well. So do you think, like, uh, obviously, like, the Arsenal teams back in those days were always kind of made fun of for having a bit of a, a weak backbone kind of thing? Did, can, can you, could you sense that, like, when you were playing against them? Absolutely, yeah. We, we, we played on that. You know, we absolutely played on that. If we, you know, kick them, whatever you need to do, get the ball and, and tackle them hard, um, we, we did it. And, and, and you could see they were weaker at the back. You know, they wanted to play tippy-tappy football. And we were... We wanted to play football, but we wanted to get in people's faces, and 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 it, and it worked, and and that's what we did. Do you know what? Nine times out of ten, they've beaten us every single time. You know, I can't remember beating Arsenal any other time, but that one day it worked and it paid off, and and look at the results, what happened. So, what was the celebrations like afterwards? Yeah, long in long into the night for about. We're still three, going. Three <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, still, we're still going nowadays. That's right. Yeah, still living off that. That's right. absolutely. I saw that like uh, they're having like a, a reunion thing or something like next year for it. Um, That's right. Yeah, we 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 just we just put it together. Um, so a, a guy approached myself, uh, Ben Foster, and then Ben Foster got onto me, and uh, yeah, we're putting it together. Gonna, a lot of the boys are going to be there. You know, we didn't really get to celebrate it a lot we wanted to because obviously we had Premier League games coming up because obviously that's a Sunday during the season for a cup final. So. Uh, It'd be nice to get everyone back together and uh, hopefully hopefully the club will do a reunion as well. You know, hopefully we can put a game on um, and, and do it that way too. Yeah, that'd be amazing. You know, like I just said, like when you're... A few people I've talked to like on the show like who've 
won cups and stuff for that say that they never get a chance to celebrate properly because there's always that next game to kind of worry about can't that's right it's difficult and you know what when you win something I've always watched pros and they you know they meet up 10 years later and 20 years later so when you win something you want to do that you know it'd be, it'd be great to go and, uh, you know I've seen a few of the boys about but you know likes of Barry Ferguson you know I've not seen him since we left Birmingham and, and things like that. So it'd be be great to be able to catch up and have a drink and, and, and have a chat. Is that because he is that because he went to Rangers? <laughs> yeah, that's it. He went up there and I went the other way. I went miles away. That's right. So uh, maybe a little bit difficult. <laughs> so, so like uh, just just be talking about like uh, being able to celebrate stuff and all that kind of stuff. Like so, obviously the, the newspapers are always kind of chasing out the story of Premier League players like being on a night out and all that kind of stuff. Like. How hard is it for you guys when you're in the spotlight to actually have just a normal night out? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a graft. It's terrible, and it's even worse nowadays. And I think it, you know, it stops people from visiting their local pub, establishment, restaurant. You know, I I recall the the Pickford thing where he had a, some a lad. You know, obviously he had a bust up with him. He's not going to go back there no more. He's not going to go back out and go in Sunderland. You know, uh, you stop them players going back to their local area and that economy that, you know, old Jordan Pitford comes here, it stops that. People don't go there anymore. So it is difficult. It's a shame. But as football, as people can, can be like, they like to video everything. Luckily, when sort of my peak or height, there weren't too many sort of these camera phones and Instagram and, and Twitters and stuff like that. So it saved it a little bit. But still, you had to be on the ball for people videoing you and taking photos and many a times my mates have had arguments with people that are taking a photo or video and, and, and saying, oh, you can't do that and try and get the phone back. But sadly, you can't do anything about it and you just have to embrace it and, and sort of be a little bit clued up, really. Yeah, because I remember like reading in uh, Roy Keane's book at the first night he did, he was talking about how some somebody was like Larry and came up to him in a nightclub and like tried to start mm-hmm. on him. Like, what yeah. the hell? Like, how drunk must you be to start yeah. a fight yeah. <laughs> with like Roy Keane yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. Pickford? Like, <laughs> and, and it, that is that's exactly it. People go out their way to go and try and get something, you know, and that's what it's branded about. You know, it, it's oh he fought him when really half an hour before he's been antagonising him and doing it that when he did it on purpose. So it's it's wild. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I do get it because they want to be famous for five seconds, but it's just stupidity. It's just absolutely crazy. So do you, like obviously now that you've retired, do you still get that kind of, are you sure you haven't been out yet, have you? So. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. You know what, you, you get it a little bit, but you know what, a lot of people are really good and they come up and say hello and they ask for a picture. Um, and if you go about it the right way, people are, are brilliant. It's the people from afar who try and take photos, but you know, I surround myself with good people. You know, don't mess about and be too stupid. And uh, you know, that's the best way. And I think that's any advice going for people: surround yourself with good people, and you you won't necessarily be videoed or pictured doing something you shouldn't. So I'm um, just going back to the the League Cup thing. Like obviously, Stephen Carr was the captain at the time. Um, right, yeah. Like, how, like, because I'm from Ireland, I have to ask, like, so, what, what yeah, was he like, yeah. what, what was he like as a captain? Like, like, was he, he just seems like a kind of a quiet, unassuming kind of guy. He doesn't seem like he's like, he is, he's very quiet. You don't know whether he likes you or not. Um, <laughs> but, 
a great, great guy. And obviously when he came to Birmingham, he was a, a senior pro. Um, luckily enough, I've got the same agent as, a, as him and we had a done for years and I knew, knew Kari a little bit before, but great guy, like proper good leader, captain. He didn't need to say a lot, but if he did say something, you'd, you'd fucking listen. And uh, yeah, great guy. Like you say, he's very unassuming, but a, a, a lovely guy and someone that, it's easy to give the captain's armband to, you know, and uh, it was, yeah, he was perfect for us, really. Yeah, I feel like he was kind of like under underappreciated, to be honest. Like, I mean, like when he was at Tottenham and yeah. stuff like that, like I think in, at the Ireland team, we had Steve Finnan as well. So it was kind of like a two really good like, yeah. right, right backs. But like, how good of a player was he? Oh, he was brilliant. Oh, unbelievable. You think of, it, he was the, the modern day right back. You know, he played the whole right side, you know, and that's nowadays, cool. You, you, <laughs> you'd have all the top clubs after him because he could play the whole right side. He was a fit as a fiddle when he came to us. He used to have breakfast. He used to have, just for breakfast, he'd have chicken and eggs. A, bit of, a play, plain bit of chicken for breakfast. And I'd be like, what the heck are you doing? But he's still, I mean, I still see him out in my bar nowadays and he's still fit as a fiddle. But he was just a great guy. And like I say, he was um, the, the right back that you'd have nowadays. It's just the, the era that he, he played in. Obviously, Christ, he's still had a brilliant career and obviously was a great player. But, you know, he, like you say, I think he was, he was underappreciated by a lot of people. So he went from having like the, the curtains when he was at Tottenham to the whole skinhead yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it made him look hard? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think it just added, added to his uh, persona, which was great. So, uh, yeah, I think he had to in the end, family. <laughs> uh, that same season, he just got relegated, right? So like yeah, no. from a squad that was able to win the League Cup against Arsenal, what went wrong that you were relegated? Well, we obviously getting to the League Cup, we were doing, you know, we had the Premier League League Cup and the FA Cup. Now we were going so strong in the League Cup. Um, we were playing two games a week for you know a number of weeks. Now for our squad, our squad wasn't big enough to do that. Um so it was a real struggle, you know, people were getting for injuries just to get to that cup final, just to make sure we could get there, you know, let's get to the quarters, let's get to the semis, now let's get to the final. So we were, people were running on sort of, not empty, but max to get to there. And once we'd won and once we'd done it, then it was like, right, we need to go again. What we needed was another five or six players in the squad, you know, to come in. Yeah, we had a, a brilliant squad. But we'd rotated so much, we did just didn't have a big enough squad, and so after that, it was it was a struggle. We still like picked up quite a few points, but it was just we were sort of going down and down and down, and and it was just one step too far for us. And it's a shame because the squad that we had, if we could have added to it, and what the plans that the club had, and the players that we were trying to get, you know, talking to Pavlyuchenko and 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 these sorts of the players uh, were incredible, and that's what made it a real shame to get relegated. One, for that, and two, they've still not returned now, which is, which is, is shit. Yeah, like, the, the, it was crazy. Like, the, like, it was one of the, mm-hmm. kind of like, almost like a Leeds thing, right? Just like, yeah, kind of went Absolutely. through almost into administration yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah. the next season, you just played then in the Europa League, which is obviously, yeah, crazy yeah. as well. But like, so, so like, once again, like, how much does that affect then the promotion push? Because he's went, he's, he's amazingly well in the Europa League. Oh. 
Of course, yeah. I mean, obviously, a lot of the team, we dispersed. You know, we was all at a ripe age. You know, I think we was all like 26, 27 at sort of primes and we everyone everyone had left. You know, I was the same, looking to leave, looking to stay in the Premier League and looking to play uh, more Premier League football. And I was, a lot of people left. I stayed there. Uh, Chris came in. And you know, I, I just want I, did, I just wanted to play Premier League football. I had a number of offers from from clubs, and uh, I didn't move that summer. Um, but then we didn't really play too much. You know, brilliant to play in the Europa League with Birmingham. It was incredible. That's what I say. If we could have stayed up and done it, it would have been even better. But great, great experience and, and a real honour. Um, but just sort of the circumstances were were tough. So. Like I say, we, the, the club was still going all right, looking to get promoted again. But obviously, I was looking to, to get out and, and get back to the Premier League. And obviously, that came around in January. And, um, you know, that's when I moved to West Brom. So, were you a little bit kind of pissed that they didn't allow you to move that summer? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. You know, everyone else had left. You know, it was it was something... I was at the peak, really. And I was playing good, playing like sort of my best football. And I was looking to... Yeah, do you know what? We we did get relegated and, and obviously that's everybody's fault that was involved. But like most teams, a lot of players leave and, and I was sort of one of a couple that was left and, you know, the offers had come in from the Premier League and, you know, I wanted to play in the Premier League a lot more and, and as long as I could. And uh, it, it, it was annoying, but that's football. You have to get on with it and you pick yourself up again and obviously, that move materialised again in, in January and um, you know what the time at Bowen was incredible but obviously then I, I moved to West Brom to, to play with them So you got to play on the Roy Hodgson like how, how was that like did, I just can't imagine that man doing the, the hairdryer at all like was he sorry, but what, what, like you know what I mean he just, he just he looks like you know like you kind of you see him at the pub like having a half a point of Guinness and keep it to himself you know what I mean yeah. the paper kind of guy yeah, yeah. so, so yeah. like um, what, what was he like as a manager like as a man motivator I, Another reason why, you know, once I heard Roy and West Brom were in, that's another reason, you know, Roy had been around and someone that I'd sort of admired, respected and, and done such good things with, with a lot of clubs that he'd been at. And uh, going there was, it was brilliant. And going there with him was, was unbelievable. It, very, training was very structured. If he had a hairdryer, he had it every now and again, if he needed to tell you. Um, were you able to keep it straight? Were you able to keep even your own face? Used to sort of, yeah, <laughs> even your own used to bite at each other every now and again. But Roy didn't hold that against people. He liked that sort of chatter back and, and sort of that arguing. And he never held it against anyone. But very structured. You knew what you needed to do. And great time under Roy. Uh, and, then, and then Steve. But we, we played some really good football and really enjoyed it. And the team was, was a really good team. Another really good team that I was a part of. So do you think we'll ever see like a, a UFC match on the fight the fight island between Jonas Olsen <laughs> and Roy Hudson? <laughs> they, they would mutter against each other. It would be quality. I'd love to see it. <laughs> you kind of came to the end of your time then with, with West Brom. Like so, what, was yeah. it was it an amicable kind of split or like like what what happened? Like why did it? I, I had an I had an option on my on on a year at, with at West Brom. Um, that last year, with uh, obviously Pet, Steve Clark had got sacked and Pet Mel would come in um, and he tried to change everything and tried to do something with the team and the players that wasn't right, I didn't think, and just it wasn't wasn't working. You know, we, we played to a certain style and a certain system 
and that was you know that was working we were finishing 10th 7th 8th you know we, we were we were a really good team came in and then suddenly it changed everything it didn't go well didn't sit well and that season I was coming back to London more and more uh, to see my family and um, just I, I didn't feel at home there anymore I didn't enjoy it I wasn't enjoying my football and um, I came off back off holiday my agent rang me and said West Brom I'm, I'm renewing your contract was I disappointed I was but I knew it was time to try something different and go somewhere else I needed to rekindle that football excitement and passion that I've, I had before I'd lost it that year I'd, I'd sort of fell out of love with the game and um, I needed to rekindle it and and you know what that's what that's what Portland gave me. I never thought I'd find it there, but they, they absolutely did give me that back. So, so how, how did that move come about? Like, was it like, did you have other offers to stay in England and that, that just appeared out of nowhere? Or like, was that just like, did they come in and then you were just, you were gone? No, so yeah, so I did, I did offer offers in England. Um, I was turning 30 in July uh, and I had a trip planned to Vegas with all my pals for our 30th birthday. I'd spoke to a few clubs before I went and I said, right, I'm going to go to Vegas. I'm going to have my time. I'm going to do the summer. And when I come back, I'm, I'll decide. Um, the very first day we got to Vegas, my agent rings me and goes, look, I've got a, an offer for you from you from Port and Timbers that I don't think we should overlook. And I went, Port, who's Port and Timbers? And he went, oh my they're God. MLS. <laughs> they're MLS and they're, they're about an hour and a half away from you. Um, they were trying to get Jolene Lescott before me um, and he'd turned them down or it didn't work out or, or whatever. And uh, as far as I know, this is my, my turn of events and uh, he didn't want to do it. So he turned to me after that and uh, my agent said, look, they want you to go up there. When you, when you finish your time in Vegas, they want you to go up there. They'll fly you up there and they'll take you out and, and show you everywhere. And because I was in Vegas, I thought, you know what? It's now and half away. Why not? If nothing else, I'll go and see another part of the world and just see what it's like. And went up there, did my time in Vegas, went up there and fell in love with it. You know, when I saw the training ground, the manager took me to uh, Lagos Wego, where we ended up living. We, we lived on a lake. He took us to a bar that was on the lake. We had a, we had a pint. We had a couple of pints. Talked to the club, talked to the team. And at the end of it, I said, you bastards. And he went, what do you mean? And I went... <laughs> You knew it was going to fucking work, didn't you? And, went, <laughs> and that was it. I was hooked, hooked, line and sinkers. And, and it was one of the best decisions I think I've, I've ever made. So how much of that was like down to you hanging, having a hangover and him offering you a cure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably could have given me a glass of water. That's right now. I think, you know what? It, 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 was, it was a law. It was real, the real law of... Um, I'd never met a GM or a chairman in my life, you know, really properly and sat down and, and discussed the direction of a club. And I mean the direction of the training ground, the ground, the team, the way we travel, the way we play. Never done it. I, I, it, it made me feel like, you know, David Beckham or Wayne Rooney at United or, or Roy Keane at Manchester United. You know, the, the conversations that they probably had with managers. So I just suddenly, you know, I'd played at the top level for a long time, but never really had that. And suddenly I was given that opportunity. And I thought this could be something that, you know, I could help mould with the other players, but I could help contribute to. And um, that's what brought me a love for the game back. That's why I say I'm, I'm thankful for them to do that because 
once I had them conversations, I thought, wow, I'm like, I thought I'm a fucking superstar. This is incredible. You know, I could, you know, we changed the training ground. We brought in a chef and we changed a bit of our travel and how we did stuff. And I felt, I felt brilliant. It was incredible. So, you know, and it gave me the love of football back. It was brilliant. I feel like that totally worked out way better for you than Joel Nesca. His career kind of went a little bit. Whoop. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I think you know I, that's why I say nowadays, if anyone's got a chance to go to America, do it. You know, you could go there. I don't know for six months and hate it, and then you know you you just come home. But you wouldn't. You'll love it. It's refreshing. You know, it's refreshing with the fans. It's refreshing with the football, and and you you can enjoy yourself. Um, as long as you're doing the business on the pitch, you can enjoy yourself as well. And yeah, it was yeah. I'm thankful for him that he didn't he didn't take it up and that he gave me the chance to go there. <laughs> I, I, I feel like uh, Jermaine Defoe took your advice and left Toronto after six months. It's <laughs> like that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, do you know what? If if you if you're if you struggle living away from home and you're you you don't embrace it, you'll struggle. But I went there with open eyes. I didn't speak to anybody about the MLS and how America was. They said, oh, you know, speak to this person. But I thought, if I speak to them, they're going to give me a look on the league and how it's run. I thought, I'm not doing that. I'm going there open-eyed and I'm going to take all my experience and take it there. And hopefully they, they embrace me like I embraced them and, and, and they did and it, it was brilliant. So for Jermaine, I think he just sort of missed on quite a bit and, and it was time to go back. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, I, I've always taught myself, it's like, I want to leave Canada and go to Glasgow too. You know, so it's been a dream of yeah. to live in Glasgow. <laughs> That's right, dude. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like it, you might hate it. That's right. <laughs> so, um, obviously, you got to play in the uh, the, the MLS All-Star game against uh, Bayern Munich. Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was incredible. I think, you know, playing against some players, you know, I would, I would never have got the chance to play against some of them players in my life. You know, it's Champions League or it's international football and uh, to play against them and play in that sort of um, all-star game that we all watch from back here in England of the basketball and the NFL, it was, it was, it was brilliant. So it was an experience and, and one that obviously, like I say, I won't forget. And it was just, it was just different. It was, it was quality. So really enjoyable. Did the, uh, did, did the guys on the team like, like take it seriously? Cause it like, I've, I think people sometimes like look at like, obviously Bayern Munich were probably on their summer tour or whatever yeah. and yeah. they're not taking it that serious but like the, the guys on the, the, the MLS team like were they taking it like serious? You, you've got to be very tricky yeah I think a lot of the lot of the, the, the superstars in the team they were the same as Bayern Munich they were sort of like oh just sort of going through the motions but we had one player that was who played with myself at the Timbers Will Johnson who within 10 minutes had smashed someone. I think he smashed Iron Robin and Pep Guardiola was fuming. You know, that's where you've got to be careful and that's where, you know, like you say, it was funny because they didn't know Will Johnson from, from fucking anybody but he was just looking to get someone. So that's where, that's where it can be very, very tricky. Oh, that's fucking amazing. It's like, yeah, it's really, welcome yeah. to America, you fucker. Here you go. Yeah, it. yeah you, think, you think you're having a pre-season friendly. Bosh, have that one. <laughs> so uh, obviously like uh, Portland's kind of famous for the uh, the the chainsaw guy the chainsaw Tim, yeah 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 
Joey Timber or Timber Tim, Joey. Timber or Joey, that's right. Yeah. Timber Joey, yeah. <laughs> so what was what was your reaction when you saw that for the first time? Uh, incredible. <laughs> I was sit, actually sitting in the box with the, the owner and the GM at the time and I heard this noise and I thought, I went, what the fuck is that noise? <laughs> like, I thought it was just it was falling down. And I went, oh, it's Timber Joey. I went, sorry? And Timber Joey walks around with a chainsaw. And I'm like, well, that's a health hazard. I mean, what, you're just going to get fucking sued. What the heck is going on here? And uh, I'm like, that's what he does. He passes through everybody. But what a guy. Brilliant guy. Uh, lovely guy. A great person within the community. You know, he does so much for everybody. And he's such a sort of a cult hero. Um, it's brilliant. Love it. It's, it's such a good thing. And everybody, everybody wants to know and asks about it. It's, it's, it's unreal. Yeah, I just kind of imagine like like somebody at Millwall. Uh, <laughs> You're just waiting to be sued, aren't you? Oh my god, you can't even get in there with a glass bottle, let alone a chainsaw. <laughs> so, so I know when you score a goal, like he gives you like a the cut off or something like that. So that's right, cut off a bit of log. That's right. Do you have like you, you still have your collection, or did you put it on the fire? No, sadly, I, I made a table out of mine actually in in America. Um, but due to how fucking heavy it is, I couldn't get it back. My old man was like, put it in a suitcase. I'm like, I get 25 kg. <laughs> but I can't bring it back. That's so, such a uh, bad answer to something. Yeah, put it in a suitcase. bring it back. <laughs> bring it back, you mental. So um, we're just doing a bit of work in the house at the minute. So I think we're going to... Uh, I'm going to get someone to sort of cut me a log or slice and, and do the same, make a table out of it here and uh, as it a bit of a, a memento, really. That's that's fucking amazing. So, yeah. uh, obviously, like, the, the highlight was your captain in the team to the 2015 uh, MLS Cup. Like, what was, uh, what was the experience like like with, with that? And then, obviously, what did it mean to the city? Because, as you said, it was a, it was a project that they had to... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like when I first joined, it was you know I want I personally I wanted to make the team bigger and better before I'd left, and to add something to the team. Now to win the MS Cup, I dreamt of it, but to get there, I knew how difficult it was going to be. But you know, within the team and within the players we had and and, and everybody, um, it was made possible. And yeah, it was like it was like sort of an end of a project, um, but also the start of one. You know, it was sort of, we, we completed our goal, um, but it was the start of sort of us now being um, this legit team. Not that there wasn't before, but a, a legit winning team. And uh, the experience was incredible, getting there and then winning it. You know, I had all my family and friends fly over from England to come enjoy it. And, you know, my old man ended up coming back on the plane with us, our private plane. He's in one of the photos that is now up in the airport in the lounge that the all, all we, we go to in, in Portland. So it, it was just it, it was just memory after memory after memory after memory, uh, which was amazing. And, uh, and to win it was incredible. So, yeah, r- real special one. Obviously, we got there in 2017, uh, 18 as well, and I had the same. Um, all the family came over, the wife, the kids and everything, and... Sadly, we didn't win it then, but yeah, it was great to win it and and put a sort of a star on the on the, on the shirt as it is. And uh, like, so what was the? Did you get like one of the the rings? Did they do rings in the yeah, states? You get, yeah, you get a ring. Yeah, yeah, you get given. Did you do that? Which is incredible, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll put, <laughs> put that in a fucking suitcase. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So um, I'm having that frame to go with my shirt. So 
I'll have the, the Carling Cup and the ring with uh, with my or Portland shirt. So it's 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 them iconic things that you know we we all see on TV, Netflix or Sky Sports or whatever. And I got to experience it and win it and bring it home. And, and I get it out every now and again. If we've got friends around, I'll, I'll put it on and come down and be like, what is that fucking many finger? So, uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good, good talking point and, and something that's so good. I, I could just picture you like walking down to get like a bottle of milk or something from the shop and you're like, <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just drinking it. That's right. It's on my pinky finger. <laughs> again, something that hopefully in years to come we'll have a, a reunion. You know, everyone wears their rings and we go back and, and you know, so it's... Oh, I, yeah, I can imagine, like, brilliant. with, with the, the basketball team being the only other sport there and them not doing so well. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's no, not that much right, to yeah. celebrate, right? So, um, no, no, not right now, the Trailblazers. But obviously, the, for the town, for the city, incredible. You know, days after we had a parade and everybody come out and people hanging out windows and we, it was pissing out of rain. And we came out of the stadium, so no one was there and we thought, uh, maybe just a little, like a few people turn turn up. We turned the corner and it was just miles after miles of people. And it's like, oh my God, people chucking your beers and throwing down and tops and shirt. Yeah, Paint sauce. Like, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, it was just, yeah. <laughs> just I, unbelievable. I, I wish there was like a video of like your, your face when you come out of the stadium and there's not a sinner. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. fuck's sakes. <laughs> well, we had an open top bus and we thought. <laughs> No, this is a bit embarrassing, isn't it? You know, like, all right, fair enough. And we turned the corner, it was like, everyone was like, what? You know, gotcha. So, yeah, so, yeah, it was, it was incredible. If they planned it like that, it was genius. So um, you said there, like, the, your last, was it, I think it was your last game for the, yeah, uh, the team. Atlanta, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, like, obviously it wasn't the best way to go out, I guess. Like, how good, good mm. mention was that loss in the, in the final? It was tough. Uh, it was a tough season, actually, because they, they brought in a new manager. Um, he had different ideas, uh, different ideas to what we had before, different ideas to myself, and, and wanted to go a different direction. So that first half of the season, I didn't really play. He was going in a different, different way, which was fair enough. I understood it. Um, and I came back into the team, and we made the run to MS Cup, which was really, you know, I, I was really pleased about. Um, and obviously, getting there was incredible. Um, but it was just one tip, step too far. Atlanta were, were a very, very good team. And playing in Atlanta against, you know, what, 85,000 fans of Atlanta and 1,000 like, fans of ours, which they stuck in the roof and you couldn't <laughs> hear them, was, oh was a God. tough ask. was a tough ask. So a great way to sign off, but would have been better if we won it. Yeah, like the thing with Atlanta is obviously like that. I think that was like their first success as a city or something. That's like right. That. So, yeah, yeah. so I guess it was always yeah. in the cards that they were there. They had to win it, right? So. Yeah, you you was up against it. Uh, that's for sure. You was up against it, and they had a very very good team as well. It weren't just you know they as a city. They had a very very good team, and um, we just you know it was it was it was a tough game. You know, it was very very tough. We still believed we could win, but it was very tough, and it was a it was a big shame. Um, but it was a, it was a big highlight to to get there again and and know that you know I could contribute in getting an, you know Portland to another MLS Cup. So you then decided to come home. What what kind of mm. what kind of drove that decision? Yeah, factors of you know they changed manager. Um, you know I want I still wanted to play um, and it just weren't it wasn't going the same way. You know and you know I've been there four and a half years four and a half years away from you know my two oldest children. Uh, who stayed at home with their mum that I wasn't, I'm not with. 
So it, it was tough. It was tough four and a half years. They'd come out Easter summer and things like that. But, uh, you know, current wife now, she didn't want to come home. She obviously loved it, which we did love it. But it was time to sort of make a break, start afresh again and let that manager do what he needed to do with the team, really, uh, without me there. And and uh, and that's what we did, decided to part ways. And um, we parted ways on, on, on really good terms. You know, I still speak to the GM and the owner now, and um, which, which is great. Yeah, it must have been great to kind of leave it. Like, like it wasn't like a, a shitty kind of breakup kind of thing. It was like kind of amicable. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know, yeah. like, because you're like one of the most successful like designated mm-hmm. players in the MLS, right? I mean, like I'd say yourself and yeah. probably Robbie mm-hmm. Keane would probably be one of the most yeah. successful ones. So it must have been nice to kind of leave it that way. It was, in, it was incredible. You know, the, the manager wanted to go a different way and we had a conversation and I was like, look, you know, that 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 if, if you want to go a different way, it, it's best that, you know, I'll, I'll go home. You know, if, if that's the way you want to go, let, let's do it that way. And, you know, it wasn't, there's no arguments and things like that because we built, Previous to that manager, we'd built such, you know, we'd, there was a new, new stand that was put on, a whole new training ground was rebuilt. Um, you know, we never had a chef when we got there. We got a chef in there. There's two, now two chefs. Um, we put in a chilling area for the boys, you know, masseuses. So a lot was built. And like I said, like in my Instagram post when I left, it wasn't just the football side and the winning side. I was really proud of what we did with the team to bring them to where they were now, not just me, really, everybody was part of it. So it was, it was sort of felt the right time to, to leave. Would I, would I love to have stayed? Absolutely. But it just felt right to, to come home and, and, and sort of start a new chapter. You never know. You might go back there as a manager someday, huh? <laughs> yeah, you never know. That's right. You know, that would, that, that would be brilliant, but you never know what happens in football. That's for sure. There'd be like a manager's chill out area. There'd be a manager's masseuse, a manager's <laughs> yeah, chef. Yeah. Manager's <laughs> chef. That's right. Yeah, I'll take it with me fucking self. <laughs> so um, I, I watched. I watched your uh, your golf hangout there with, with tubes from uh, yeah. Soccer. I am. It was fucking yeah. hilarious to be honest. But um, you, you're you're kind of mentioning about uh, Craig Gardner pooping in some of these. Wash yeah, bag. Wash bag. And, then, yeah. and then there's and then there's a headline on one of those other ones they did with Neil Ruddock where Robbie Fowler shot in his shoe. So what is it about players and poo pranks? <laughs> I think it's just it must be the all time best prank, I suppose. You're just shitting in people's stuff, I think. I don't know why I don't know why it seems so bad, but it's either smell that it leaves or just a a mat. I mean the Craig Garden one, I still got it in my head now. It's, it was horrendous and he zipped it up and it just seeped through. Oh, it was terrible. So it was, I don't know, maybe it's just stories that just stand the test of time, I suppose. <laughs> so, so I, what actually, like, was he getting revenge on somebody? Is that what you thought? He was getting revenge on the masseuse. When we used to go into hotel rooms, um, we'd try and steal someone's key. And as they were down at dinner, we'd turf their, turn their room over. Obviously, when they come up, obviously they'd be fuming. Anyway, uh, Grant the masseuse. His name was Paul, but he looked like Grant Mitchell, so I called him Grant. Um, he turns Craig Gardner's room over. Now, Gardner is the last person you want to pull a prank on because he'll go 25 times worse <laughs> as he did. And he got him back. And uh, oh. it's to say he's never pranked him ever again. <laughs> that's fucking amazing. Like, and that's the thing that, but I think that's the thing that, like, you know, people don't get to hear that much um but no it's right. something, yeah. something you might see in an autobiography are you gonna are you gonna write one uh, 
I'd love to, to be honest. I, I don't think I'm a big enough player to be able to attract anyone to write anything for me. I might have to write myself, which my English is fucking terrible, so I don't think that will go down too well. So <laughs> Every second word a swear word, right? Yeah, that's right, yes. Yeah. Fuck bollock shit. Yeah, we did, did, did that. It'd be like a like list of cunts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, um... <laughs> Uh, Martin O'Neill so um, <laughs> so uh, just we, we normally finish things off with just kind of a couple of quick fire questions so uh, the favourite sure. kit that your favourite kit that you've played in oh good question favourite kit do you know what I think it's got to be um, it's got to be the um, Birmingham City one the second seat the third season I was there uh no, I was there this, the, the, the time we was in the Premier League because that was the very first time I'd got to pick my size of kit because at Villa you got given it because I was a youngster. <laughs> so I got to get given the kit size, which I was a small, and they were tailored fits by that time. They weren't these what? huge fucking things, were they? Villa kits. I mean, they were four sizes yeah. too big for me. And I couldn't complain to the kit man because I was this young whippet. So I got to Birmingham, I picked a small and they were, they were tailored by that time. And uh, so I, I'd pick that one just, just, for, just for that sake. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fucking idiot. I, I thought in my head that there was like a guy there like suit you, like taking your measurements and tailoring <laughs> yeah. it. That's what I actually thought. I'm a fucking idiot. Sorry. Hey, if I could have done that, if I could have done it, I would have. Don't worry about that. So you're right in thinking that. <laughs> so uh, your, your favourite boot you've ever had? Favourite boots or oh, Puma King very first Puma King they were the kangaroo leather and they were absolutely I thought I was a dog's bollocks to be honest they were absolutely brilliant I played in them when I was 10 maybe I was a goal scoring midfielder and I thought caught I really thought I was good then so uh, yeah they're the best ones <laughs> they were they were uh, like it was warts decimating the kangaroo population in Australia for <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure, a lot of people didn't like it, but they were them. That level was oh, dubbing on it. They were tremendous. They were, they were, fucking, yeah, they were easily. Amazing. So, uh, they were. your your top favorite three players of all time? Oh, that I just ever. Yeah. Um, ever. So first of all, I had a uh, Ian Wright shirt, number eight on the back. That was when uh, Arsenal, or actually the Premier League, had no names on the back. It was just number eight. So when Wrighty moved there to uh, now, I was a centre forward at the time. So this is why these players are going to be centre forwards. Um, the Les Ferdinandes, I'm a QPR fan. No one else calls him a Celes, which he is a Celes. And I correct everybody that when they go Les, I went, I say Celes. <laughs> so just to make sure. <laughs> and um, God, bloody hell. Uh, top, you said top three, didn't you? Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say really quickly that they sound like three players. <laughs> David Beckham, Robbie Fowler, Rio Ferdinand, and that's just one player. So three Ooh. top players. <laughs> okay. Amazing. So uh, if you're going to play in a five-side tournament with players that you've played with, uh, who would be on your team? Oh, tremendous. Uh, I think I'd have... Um, it'd be... Oh, I'd say Ben Foster in goal. Sorry, Joe Hart, but Ben Foster in goal. <laughs> Um, myself at centre half. Uh, obviously, I've got to play. Uh, David Ginola, 
purely because you could just look at him the whole uh, the whole game, which would be brilliant. Beautiful man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful man. Uh, Dion Dublin, I'd have in there just because in the reserve team we used to smash the living granny out of people, which was absolutely tremendous, and he loves to tackle people. So that's four, isn't it? Oh yeah. Christ! Uh, and up front, who would I have up front? Oh, super Kevin Phillips. It should be over Femi Martins because of what he done for us. But I'm going for Super Kev. I thought it would have been uh, Zigic, to be honest. <laughs> We've got Dion. He's a big man. There's no one taking him. <laughs> and then the last question then. Uh, who, was your, um, who was your first boot deal with? Going back oh, to the boots. Whose boot deal was with Puma? Um, first proper boot deal was with Puma. Um, I got Diodora through at Villa. And that they were given to us. Um, then I wore some Nike ones for a little bit that my agent had got me, but they wasn't paying because I was a fucking nobody, obviously. <laughs> and not that I'm anybody now, but a fucking nobody. Then I got Puma. Um, but went down the drain very quickly because they'd just given Cesc Fabregas that absolutely huge deal. So anybody i.e. myself that was right at the bottom, soon got moved on. But Puma. Fucking Cesc Fabregas, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not only Arsenal and Chelsea, you fucked it over with your boot deal. <laughs> exactly, that's right. I mean, you know, I would have done it if I was him, but, you know, that's, that's the way football goes, really. So, yeah. That, uh, sp- speaking of uh, Theodora, uh, which... Dear God, man. God bless you having to wear yeah. Theodora boots. But Roy Keane yeah. was sponsored by them for years. And I remember uh, That's right. Clinton yeah. Morrison was talking about when Roy Keane got sent home from the World Cup. And he's mm. like, the world's media is on Roy Keane. He's out walking his dog. And all I could see was the doddiest fucking Theodora tracks in the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's his name. He was, that, that was him. He was Theodora, which is unbelievable, wasn't it? Really? It's actually crazy. Yeah, you see, like, I, I, think, I think he started off as like high tech. Do you remember high tech? They were like... A, it wouldn't surprise me. Gareth Barry was the same. He was Diodora. Because Diodora sponsored Villa at the time, he wore Diodora and it was the black ones with the luminous yellow. Oh, the yellow, yes, that's right. Green, green. Just so you knew they were Diodora. But, you know, but, just to make I, sure you recognised them. I kind of get that, like with Gareth Barry, because he played for Villa and you're responsible with him. Roy Keane, yeah. one of the best midfielders in the world, is kicking about. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess yeah, he didn't give a shit. I, I, he must have been getting paid a lot of money to put it that way. <laughs> Yeah. The studs were good at that time. They're probably sharpened differently. So, it was all right. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just want to thank you, man, for for hanging out. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's great, like hearing some of your stories and all that kind of stuff. And uh, oh yeah, no problem, yeah. anytime. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, that was really enjoyable. Thank you. And I uh, I, I can't wait to hear uh, some more poo stories in your autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's some more out there over my career. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. And uh, we'll, see, we'll probably see you managing somewhere soon. Thanks. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Cheers, buddy. Thank you to Liam for hanging out and talking to us about his amazing career in football. Thank you to all our listeners. We really do appreciate all your support. Don't forget to check out our new shop. The link is available on downthepub.ca. Thank you to Carlos and Chris for helping out with everything. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, cheers. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. 
Until next time, cheers. Cheers.